0: This is Craig Brown, and welcome to Passages. Passages is a space to explore Bible passages used for preaching, reflection, and prayer. My hope is that Passages will shine a unique light on text used for preaching at the First Free Methodist Church of Seattle, or for anyone looking to dive deeper into the Bible. Today's passage is Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30. It's the basis for the sermon here at First Free Methodist Church on March 5th, 2023, And it's the second message in our Lenten series called Lost and Found. And it's a series about how we find hope, especially when we're feeling a bit lost. This particular passage today from Matthew 13 is one of the parables that Jesus spoke to the crowd and then ultimately explained to his disciples. These parables are important teachings and truth for us. And so as we hear this story, we need to learn just a little bit about how Parables work. Matthew 13 contains a number of parables about the nature and timing of the kingdom of God. Now, a parable is a contextual story which illumines a spiritual truth. Now, teaching in parables is Jesus' primary way of sharing truth with those who listen. They are highly contextual, though, they rely on the experience and the knowledge of those hearing. In other words, when this parable was originally spoken and even written, it was communicated in a way so it would be understood by its hearers. We are hearing this word come to us in this parable, but we're not the ones to whom it was originally spoken. So what that means is that when we're reading parables today in the 21st century, we need to understand two things. Number one, we need to first understand exactly what Jesus said. So that is reading the text and understanding exactly how Jesus is communicating. But the second thing we have to understand is what it meant to those who were listening to this story. Now, in this parable, in the opening verses, we we learn of a man who goes out to sow seed. And after the seed is sown, all of the workers slept. And while they were sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat. So no one could tell this happened until the seeds sprouted. So in other words, the evil was done. Nobody noticed it until later. Now, at first, according to the story, we hear that the weeds and the wheat, the weeds and the wheat kind of sprout up together. And at first, the weeds would have been indistinguishable from the wheat. If I could show you a picture of what they each look like, they're, they're almost, not exactly, but almost identical. And so only it was after they were fully grown could they be seen more clearly. So the workers first wonder if the farmer himself had bad seed. In other words, was he the one sowing weeds and wheat at the same time? But notice what the farmer or the sower says about this. He says that that the man has an enemy that has done this. So it's clear that this act of sowing weeds amongst the wheat has been intentional and it's been done in an adversarial sort of way. This opens up a key passageway for us here that we need to understand, especially as we read the interpretation of this parable down in some latter verses of this chapter, uh, more specifically down in verse 36 and onward of Matthew chapter 13, that evil can come in subtle and unobserved ways. This parable is in, is interpreted by Jesus, of course, in verses 36 to 43. So we want to be careful, though, before we get to that explanation, to hear the parable first. As Jesus will later explain, the evil here is the devil who has sowed weeds amongst the wheat. Now, scholars are divided on the subject. If Jesus was speaking here about the church, in other words, in the church there's weeds and wheat, or whether or not Jesus is talking about the world in general. In either case, it doesn't really matter what scope is being talked about here. The presence of evil, or represented here by the weeds, is something that is done subtly and quietly. And it's also inevitable. There is no such thing as a farmer who would sow seeds back in this day who would not expect there to be weeds amongst the wheat. That was always going to be the case. So the issue here, as we interpret the parable, is not about stopping it. It comes, it happens. The question isn't whether it's going to happen. It's about whether what we're going to do when it does happen. Recognizing that evil comes into this, into this world and into some situations in subtle and unobserved ways. How do we respond in those moments when we first realize that something is not right? Jesus offers us a word about this not quite being right when we continue in this text down into verse the latter part of verse twenty-eight into beginning part of verse thirty. We hear in this text um, that the uh, the slave said to the master who had sown the seeds uh, that you know how did this come to be? And the master says, an enemy has done this. And the slave said to him, Do you want us then to go gather them up? This is the key. question in the parable that there's weeds and wheat growing together, and so the workers ask the owner, do you want us to go pull all of the weeds up? So the lurch of the workers is to go pull those weeds at the early stage of their development, and that's commendable. But ultimately, it's a bit misguided. Again, because if I were to show you a picture of what they looked like, the weeds and the wheat at this early stage are, are very, very similar to each other. They're hard to separate. More problematic, though, are the type of weeds that Jesus would have been talking about here, the kind of weeds that grew with the wheat. The roots of these weeds grow deeper than the wheat. So if you were to pull up the weeds, you risk pulling up the very soil that the wheat is planted in. And so you're going to damage the wheat by pulling up the weeds. So it's better to let them be and sort them later. So we can look at this in two ways. One way is removing the weeds then brings a threat to the wheat. And according to the interpretation of this parable, the righteous would be threatened, in this case, by human error. So that the need to remove the weeds threatens the good stuff. So why would we do something that threatens the good stuff for no other reason than by human error? And the second way we can look at this is that the wheat must always be in proximity to the weeds, that the righteous are not separated from this world, but they're rather a part of it. So the consideration here that the owner gives, or the sower, tells them is simply this. Allow both to grow together, you can read this in verse 30, until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the weeds and bind them into bundles and burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. So, The consideration here is just to let them be. The separation of the weeds and the wheat is easier to do at their maturity rather than when they first sprout. If pulling everything up at that point is done with ease and simplicity, so what still goes missing will be separated on the threshing floor. In other words, when they separate the weeds and the wheat, the threshing floor, where they beat... The wheat on the ground and separate the kernels from the actual stock itself, that's a point at which it's easier to separate the weeds from the wheat themselves. So the key passageway here that is important is about this lurch to execute judgment threatens our very nature and mission. Jesus' interpretation of this parable that follows, of course, encourages us to wait until a later time. And as we learn in the the interpretation is that we're not even the ones who do that work. That there are, uh, according to the interpretation of the parable uh, that follows later in verse 36 onward, it's the angels that do that separation. So we have an awareness that we exist in this world alongside the weeds, in other words, evil, so to say, And that we're warned to do nothing about it. We know it. We just don't do anything. It's hard advice to keep for people who have been trained to be problem-solving individuals for most of their lives, like we are trained often within our own culture. Knowing what is evil and taking our own action to execute judgment are two different things. It's good to be able to point to the weeds, but it's never our work to judge it toward condemnation. It's an important word we need to hear. Jesus, in his teaching, both in parables and in other places, warns his followers to stay away from the work of judgment because that work belongs to somebody else. Namely, it belongs to God. Finally, we come to the end of this text in verse 30, where Jesus says this, First gather the weeds and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. You know, the sower in the story makes it clear that judgment is coming at the time of the harvest, not at the time when the wheat, the weeds and the wheat first sprout. There is a judgment to be made and an appropriate outcome, but none of the workers actually make that judgment. Gather the weeds first than the wheat. It's somewhat sequential. One is headed for the fire, in other words, to be fuel, and the other is going to go in the barn. Take note that weeds have a purpose, and their purpose is fuel for the fire. They are consumed. So the interpretation later speaks of how God's angels will gather up the righteous, but others will not be gathered up, or they will be gathered and used in a different way. Now, when Jesus speaks of this fire here, Um, as he often does within the Gospels, he's speaking of the local city dump uh, near Jerusalem, a place called Gehenna, which was a place that was always on fire. They were always burning the trash and the garbage there and any waste material. So there was a fire in Gehenna that never went out. And so oftentimes Jesus's imagery of like eternal damnation or the weeping and gnashing of the teeth or a fire that's never extinguished. Uh, He's referring to these things often metaphorically when he talks about just like over at the dump is what it's like. The key passageway here in all this is very simple, I think, that the execution of judgment belongs to God alone. You know, everyone in this story, the sower, the people who sowed the seeds, the people who are harvesting, everybody, everybody in the story has awareness at all times that there are weeds Growing amongst the wheat. So the revelation isn't that there are weeds. The weeds come secretly, but yet everybody knows they're weeds. It's apparent. So at issue here is not the discernment of the evil in the midst. It's easy to spot. The question is when does it get dealt with and who deals with it? And that's what this story makes abundantly clear. There are several takeaways here, easy for us to hear that the execution of judgment belongs to God alone. First, we live in an age where the righteous and evil exist side by side. There's no separating them. We we exist commingled together. There's no such thing as quarantining or separating ourselves. We're part of a a vast community in which there's good and there's evil, the righteous and the not righteous. Secondly, we live in an age when the the righteous and the evil are distinguishable. It's easy to tell where evil and injustice are occurring. And it's not that we have a passive response to that. It's simply that we recognize when we're dealing with human beings, when we're dealing with the individuals, when we're dealing with the persons, not the ideologies, but the individuals, that judgment is something that God alone holds. We do not. Third, we live in an age of faith, knowing that God will bring about a good judgment. There's a is an acknowledgement of who is better able to judge what's been going on. And what we have to acknowledge is that God, who sees and knows every human heart, holds that judgment in a way that we could never try to hold it. And so ultimately what this means then forth is that we live in an age of trusting God's judgment as the first and as the final say. And that we understand as followers of Jesus, it's not our work to go out into the field early on and try to separate the weeds from the weed. It's not our job to go around identifying where the evil is and trying to root it out. Our work is different. Our work has to do with coexisting alongside of that, recognizing that it's there, calling it what it is, but not exercising judgment on it because that's something God alone will do. Now, there's two sides to this coin, obviously, right? So there's this one side in which we're to see and recognize evil in our midst, but to do nothing about it. But then there's also this call to justice that we have, this call to initiate action against injustices that exploit people. Finding that balance in the midst of even a parable like this requires some nuance. It's complex. It's not easy. But I think what we need to do is, as we try to reason our way or pray our way through that tension is to recognize the powerful teaching that Jesus is delivering here about the weeds and the wheat growing together. And we need to understand that this notion of trying to fix the problem before it's time is ultimately something that is self-destructive. If you have comments and reflections, I invite you to make them on my website at RevCraig.com. In the upper right-hand corner of that website, you'll see a button that says News. And when you click on it, you'll see a drop-down menu that says Podcast, and then you can click on this episode and leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Also, visit ffmc.org, firstfreemethodistchurch.org, to learn more about free Methodism and how you can connect with our community. For now, I thank you all for listening. I bid you all grace, and we'll see you next time.